is the Schaefer Baseball Report, an inside look at America's pastime. From Little League all the way to the big leagues. Now here's your host, former Major League infielder Jeff Schaefer. All right, welcome everybody to Schaefer Baseball Report Friday edition. Took, a, took about a week off, huh? Did we take a week off? It's like 10 days, but we did, Ten days. we did like two in the span of like six days or something and we like took that. we took it all we were gonna do it last week but yeah. it's, we just got moving around we were down at the abca and it was in nashville this year a lot of fun uh what'd you think about it this year Andrew? compared to chicago a year ago what is it triple the amount of people chicago holy was 3, cow 000. man right they, they said the total participation was twelve thousand this year so 12, there was 8,500 coaches and 12,000 people. All right. So myself and one tool, Zyke are going to go over everything, <laughs> everything that, uh, that took place there. Oh um, gosh. you know, we, I think for us, I mean, realistically, we kind of know how to navigate through that right now. Yeah. And if you're going to go and you're going to watch every speaker out there, then I think going in on Thursday for a full day and staying all the way till, till the end is it's, it's valuable to that point. But yeah. for us, you know, we, we've kind of were selective of who we want to listen to, um, I told somebody the other day, man, I'm so old. I don't need any more knowledge. I'm like, good. I don't need to, <laughs> I don't need to sit there and you're not that old. Um, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't look as old as I am. That's what you're saying. Right. That's sure, a nice yeah, compliment. Yeah, Thanks. I, I appreciate that. Um, but you know, it's, it's amazing how like on Thursday it was, it was just, a, it was a disaster, right. To walk through there. I mean, you couldn't even move Friday no. was probably worse. Friday morning was probably the worst. Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so many products, um, a lot of overlapping products, a lot of people doing the same thing, trying to capture, you know, attention of every coach out there. Yep. Um, you know, I think our objective was not to sit so much to sit there and listen to, uh, every speaker that came, came forward, but for us to look at the things that we needed for our facility yeah. out here, turtle, uh, L screens. And I, I, I love the technology. I'll tell you what. So if you had to pick product wise, let's just talk about netting. Right, like oh, things valley, like the valley, um, the valley sports nets. That was unbelievable, the right? The that, shield, they call yeah, it, yeah, the L screen. They call oh, it the shield. Yeah. So I played with Dave Valley and AAA in Rochester in 1981, the year I was drafted. Uh, so 81, I went from rookie ball to AAA for the playoffs. With uh, Ripken went to the big leagues. It took a spot there. Dave, so John Valley was a teammate of mine. Then years later, when I got to the big leagues with Seattle, um, his brother Dave. Uh, was a catcher for us for three years. And uh, so it's pretty cool to watch guys like that stay in the game. Yeah. And they've created something that is with every single major league team. And those things, I mean, you know, being in a cage, how dangerous it's gotten. Oh, we just saw it Wednesday. I mean, it's just balls just flying off the top of the net and coming down over L screens and things like that. Those L screens are not built for use in the cage. Right. You know, I mean, it's just it, we've seen guys get hurt and you see we saw it when we were at the show. They had a video, especially of just guys taking caroms off the L screen, taking, uh, you know, taking guys out. Um, it's dangerous. So we are ordering uh, we're going to order some of the valley screens. Um, so that was that was as far as the netting goes. Um, we looked at batting turtles here. I mean, we, we we have to change out what we have. The one that we have is a dinosaur. And with. You know, Queens leasing our facility and going from you know a, a D two program moving moving up uh, to a Division one program, we have a lot of things that we have to uh, we got to clean up and change. Um, you know, just to accommodate the NCAA and what the requirements are for uh, them being a Division one. But it's amazing how these these turtles now one person can pull them around the yard. Yeah, you know, so and, light. Uh, yep. Yeah. What about uh, what about so gloves? So training gloves everywhere right we saw yeah. a bunch of those uh, again valley valley started out with training gloves and yeah, i had one pancakes. of the original yeah the pancakes we have pancakes here yeah. that are that are 15 oh. 15 years old yeah. 
um, still durable. Um, but yeah, how it's evolved uh, down to a smaller glove for infielders to use, which, you know, we used to feel ground with bare hands, but a lot of guys I saw, you know, a lot of guys go get the, uh, the kids gloves back then. It wasn't built for a training glove. It was a kid's glove, but we'd go out and we'd work out with those. So um, that was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Bats galore, man. Wood bats, everybody. Yeah, Wood bats everywhere. Like, do they not do their research? I mean, I, I feel like you can only get to be like, there's a, there's a, a low ceiling for wood bats. Like yeah. there's a certain point where it's overkill, you know, it's it the is. same thing with a different stamp on it. And a lot of times it's the same manufacturer that's making them. You're just branding yeah, it. It's, exactly. It's, it's, it's the same bat. So, yeah. you know, when I played, it was all ash. That was all it was. It was all Louisville slugger. And that was the entire contract. Um, and it was gloves. Gloves were, you know, now there's so many different gloves. It was either Rawlings, uh, which which I had my contract with, and then Mizuno came out, and then I switched over to Mizuno for a period, but didn't like the Mizuno at that time. Then went back to Rawlings. Wilson was there, but that was it. Now you see, you know, you see so many different gloves out there, and batting gloves mm-hmm. are just abundant. Yep. You know, batting gloves, I guess, are what looks cool. Well, the, there's that trend now with the the bolt batting gloves where they comes all the way up to your your wrists yeah it's supposed to be the more comfortable thing and padding is good so, so a lot of it like i mean I, I guess I, I guess if these guys think they can swag out and look good on the field that they can play good it used to be used to like gotta look good to play good like that was a joke you know your pants had to right. match you know your, your socks you couldn't be high and low or you know you and uh so you had to look good to play good but if you weren't looking good now everybody's trying to look good mm-hmm. i mean there's dudes out there with, how about the size of the sunglasses too <laughs> And that guy with the big hat. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're wearing visors out there. Yeah, it was crazy, but uh, a, a great experience. I mean, the Gaylord was awesome. Oh my, that hotel's huge. You can get lost in there. You could. Yeah, you can definitely get lost in there. It's nice. Yeah. It's like going to Vegas. So they said it's the largest hotel no in the world with no casino. Yeah, I can so see it. <laughs> you, can, you can go in that hotel and not leave. Yeah, restaurants and entertainment. Grand Ole Opry right next door. Mm-hmm. Really nice mall right there. So it was good. Food was good. The people were great. Yeah. Um, and it's it's good catching up. You see so many people. Um, you know, our guest this year, uh, today, uh, PJ Zachi, uh, the head coach at Anderson, we ran into him last year in Chicago with his staff. Um, so you run into a lot of college coaches there. Not everybody goes every single year. Um, but, you know, you see a lot of people that uh, you're happy to see and you to see a lot of people you really don't care to see. <laughs> That's yeah. nature of our business, right? Yeah. Yeah, you kind of uh, look the other way or walk the other way or eyeball each other. Exactly. You got a stare down look. You ha- you don't you don't have one of those. No, that's I don't, don't got a stare down. I don't either. Yeah, you do. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I do. Right. That's that's the New Yorker in me, man. That's about to say. Yep. Can't you can't help it. Um, they're working on the field out here. Yeah, it's looking good. Yeah, man. All the all the clay's going down. You know, Eddie Busky and uh, EA Sports Field crews out here just carving everything up, and that's all three fields. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty. Uh, as much play as this facility has gotten, um, just over a year, just let alone we've been doing this for three years, fully, well, two years, full full three fields, but yep. almost five years with uh, with two fields, how much play it gets, how good it looks. Yeah, yeah, it looks great. I mean, yeah. you, you call the clay baseball gold. That's what it is. That's what it is, Lay, Laying it out, man. Yeah, it's funny. We got it. We got um, uh Eddie got a call. I don't know if it was Eddie or somebody told me the other day, but there's, they're still trying to develop better clay. Really? Like organi- there's people out there that have mining uh, facilities and, things, and they'll bring up dirt and they're trying to create even a better clay. Hmm. Maybe one that absorbs the water more. I don't know. But, uh, I mean, everything's evolving, right? Oh, yeah. 
I mean, we saw batting tees. How about the batting tees? Yeah, batting tees. You, and there's like niche items like uh, a batting tee that you can put onto your hitch of your truck. Remember we yeah, saw that one? Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, all you do is just pull out the baseball and it just goes rotates in a circle when you hit yeah. it. So there's a bunch of niche stuff out there. There was the um, the bean tosser that you had to hit. The, oh, my gosh. How about that? Yeah, that's funny. Hand-eye coordination. It's like, why don't you just have someone just toss a bean? I'll tell you, when we talked to PJ, I promise you, to tell you what, he grew up in New York. He picked up a stick and rocks and whacked them all over the place. That's how we learned to hit. And they were probably about the size of a freaking marble. You know? yeah. I mean, I, I grew up, the neighborhood I grew up in, it was all, a brand new neighborhood. They were building all around us. So there were sticks and rocks everywhere. And literally, that's, and gravel in our roads, pick it up, and that's. Now you can plead the fifth. Did you hit any cars with those? Oh, absolutely, dude. <laughs> okay, we hit cars with everything. And you know what? And, you know, more people weren't pissed off about it because they expected it. They grew right. up doing the same thing, you know, where we grew up. So, uh, yeah, but I mean, and then somebody was talking the other day. They were asking, uh, I was at the show, and I ran into Ike, Ikenberry from JMU and Jimmy and uh, Jimmy Jackson. And he had somebody there, and he said, how do you teach a kid, an older kid, to hit a curveball? And I said, dude, you know, I grew up, I grew up playing wiffle ball. You know, and everything spun and everything moved. So, you know, I, I hit balls that moved my whole life. Um, so it wasn't an adjustment. I mean, I, I had seen them, but, you know, guys today, they get in, they get in, they get in the lesson environment and it's, you know, it's a soft toss or it's, you know, thrown over or it's a machine that throws nothing but fastball. So these guys are all geared up for, you know, yep. for fastballs, but you start to spin things. One, they're afraid to look for it. With a ball, you had to look for it, you know. Um, and two, they don't know what to do with when they see it. You know, you got guys trying to pull breaking balls instead of going the other way, getting inside. So there's, you know, there's a whole approach to it and it's gotta be difficult for these college coaches to teach these kids how to hit off speed and breaking balls when all they do are geared up to, to learn how to hit fastballs all the way through, through, through high school. Because, you know, listen, if you look at a high school pitching staff, the majority of them can't throw good breaking balls or, you know, slide pieces or changeups. Right. Right. So, you know, now you get there and, you know. It's it, it it it's a grind. So uh, so wiffle ball. That's what I told him. I said I grew up playing wiffle ball. Go throw wiffle balls at these kids. Let them see you break something this big. Um, yeah. So that you know that was that was cool. Uniforms everywhere. Everybody's got a uniform. Yeah, I bet there is twenty booths with uniforms. But if you're if, listen, if you're a baseball guy, I don't care what level you're at. It'd be pretty interesting. It's like going to Disneyland, right? I mean, you know the same rides are going to mm -hmm. be there, but you're going to go every year. It's worth going and. Um, you know, walking the show and listen, there, there's a lot of good speakers there, you know, and then there's a lot of guys that are trying to reinvent the game, you know, and I just, I'm not, a, I'm not a believer that the game is, I think there's drills and things like that that can change, that can help. I mean, people kind of modify off of things and make players better, but overall, there's just, there's only so much you can say and do, you know, with this game, it just becomes reps and executing the fundamentals and making sure that, you know, you are doing the fun, the, the greatest players in the game, modify off fundamentals better than anybody else that's how it goes yep. but everybody has to have a base of being a fundamental player right yep. so if you if you're going to coach at certain levels you have to you have to build the fundamentals you can't yeah, exactly. you know this launch angle stuff and things like that it's it's nuts you know you yep. take we got kids coming we see kids coming in here you know 13 14 years old that are 100 not even 100 pounds trying to lift the ball in the air yep you know instead of just kind of you know squaring up and hitting hard with ground balls and line drive so I think technology is good. I mean, but there's a time and a place for it. You know, it's it's not like you need to build your whole game around launch angle, exit velo, all those things. Learn how to be a good hitter first and then see like, okay, this is where my hitting translates. That's really all. Oh, listen, I get technology. I understand spin rates and things like that. I understand, you know, I mean, those those things make sense to me. But also, you know, there's the eyeball test. And, you know, we can, we can go down a list of number of guys that come through our organization. I can tell you right now, uh, um, 
Coleman Harvey, man, is a left-handed pitcher that we have that, you know, he may he may someday top out in upper 80s, may. Yeah. But the kid pounds his own. He's a three-pitch pitcher. Does he have high spin rate? No, but, you know, he hides the ball well. Phenomenal pickoff. You know, you look at He's that guy and go, pitcher. he can pitch. Yep. You know, but if you got if you got to go ahead and say, okay, his spin rate is, you know, 2,300 or 3,000 or whatever the numbers are, um, you know, to somebody that doesn't know him or know us and understand that, you know, we have a pretty good eye for talent is that uh, – you know, he's not going to get the attention that he deserves to get. Right. You know, you got to find, you got to find that baseball, that baseball guy that could look at a player and go, you know what, that's going to help. That's definitely going to help. So, uh, but you know, the, there is this technology overload. Like we went through some of those booths, Andrew, and holy cow, man, you got to be like a professor or a scientist to freaking figure out everything that's going on. Um, you know, but you can take, you know, certain pieces along the way mm -hmm. and go, okay, I can use it. Like blast motion to me is a good tool, right? Yeah. And it measures three things. Yeah. I think that's a great tool for a hitter. Simplify, um, yeah. Yeah. So you simplify it. You can't, you can't overload and just, you know, you know, cause you're going to have to hire some, some tech nerd just to figure it out and, <laughs> and decipher it and make it normal for us idiots. Um, so let's, let's go down the menu. We got going on here real quick. And I want to get PJ um, on and, and spend a good 45 minutes or 50 minutes with him because it's uh He's a brother from New York, and uh, I'm looking forward to um, to uh, having that conversation. But um, so we got catches camp tomorrow. Chris Reyes coming down yeah. from New York, and this is all through USA Baseball NTIS, and you deserve a chance foundation, our nonprofit organization. Um, and uh, so that'll be a two day camp for catches. Chris is good. He's part of our program with USA Baseball. What I think is very important to a lot of college players and a lot of um, a lot of high school families and kids right now is to understand what the NIL is all about. Yeah. It has changed the landscape for so many, so many. And there's opportunity for people to, to generate revenue. Now we know how expensive college is. We know that with baseball, you have limited number of scholarships. So it's, it's going to cost people money to go to college, to play baseball, yeah. regardless. I don't care. No full rides out there. And if it is, it's probably an academic and athletic uh, hybrid to, uh, to get to that number. Um, and we will talk to PJ about the academics because he was. Uh, it looks like he was a pretty good student coming through the, uh, coming through high school and into college as well. Chris Fasami coming in here, and I'll be working with Chris as well as well as Todd Friedman from Blast Motion. Um, and that is on the 29th, the hitting camp. Um, we're sitting at 20. I don't think we'll go. Maybe we'll go to 30. 30 maybe 30. You know, um, but I think 20 is going to be a good number to get a lot of attention. Yeah. Uh, that's on the 29th, and then. Uh, one of my favorite people in the world. Um, we spent a lot of time with him at the ABC. Is, He's a uh, is that's, the first, that's the first time I've actually like sat down and chatted with him. Like I've been like, hey, how's it going? But that was the first time I chatted with him. He's a character, man. Oh, no. He's a piece of work, dude. And I, so we were teammates in AAA in Vancouver with the White Sox and uh, – um, you know, he's always, he's always, he's a hustler, man. He is. He, well, the first thing he said to me, he's like, yeah, I heard you, heard you, you like the golf. I'm like, yeah, I like the golf. He's like, you want to put some money on it? Oh yeah. He's yeah. yeah he's, he's definitely, yeah. He wants, he wants, well, he's coming. So we're going to play with him. Yeah. I'm yeah. He's coming. Uh, he's going to come in a couple days early, stay at the house. And, uh, that is something that everybody needs to hear because the piece that we're talking about is not only, you know, there's a lot of guys that can build the mechanics of the swing and, and see the mechanics of the swing, but there's a lot of people out there that, uh, that don't teach the mental approach and, you know, and, and PJ can attest to this when we get them on is that, you know, you get to a certain level, man, the mental takes over all yeah. the athletes, all the athletes are identical, right? They're, they're the same. They're out there. And then, uh, but if you don't have the right mental approach to the game, 
whatever part of it is base running, pitching, catching, you know, hitting, um, you're going to get eaten alive and spit out. So Springer does a great job with the mental approach to hitting. Yeah. He's all over the country speaking. Um, he was all excited because he said, man, I picked up so many speaking engagements. He runs around with his little wristbands and hands them out and, you know, and he'll, you know, he's a celebrity. He's like, dude, man, bro, I'm changing lives. <laughs> <laughs> he's changing lives. I'm like, you're a hitting coach, dude. Come on. <laughs> um, and then we have the pitcher catcher exposure. We call it a, a camp. Exposure, it's it's yeah. a preseason exposure. We know that we can have division two, three NAIA and Juco in here. Uh, Division ones be blacked out, but we are going to try to uh, to Facebook live it or stream it for uh, for the uh, for the division ones. We got some good arms in our organization that are going to be throwing in that uh, as well. So that's the pitcher catcher, and that is on the uh, the uh, the fifth February fifth. Yep. So that's the menu here out at the talk. They can go to Southeast NTIS and see that yep. that list. Uh, the NIL information it's free. The NIL. Uh, on the uh, the twenty fourth is free. You deserve a chance. Foundation, our foundation is paying for that, hosting that. Udacf.org. Udacf.org. But we want you to register so we can control the numbers. Um, so that's it, man. That's down the road, right there. So the next thing is, I'm excited about it. PG Zachi. PJ Zachi is the head coach at Anderson, uh, Bronx native, New Yorker, um, a New Yorker that traveled from the Bronx to Clemson. Um, great experience that I want to hear from him. He played for Coach Leggett, who we 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 know and was uh, as recipient of the Spirit of the Game Award, and also um, he pitched in the College World Series. Awesome. So I want to talk to him about the experience of uh, you know of pitching in the College World Series <clears throat> one level, but hopefully he'll you know explain to um, everybody out there whatever level you're at when you're generally chasing a World Series and not a weekend U Triple SA or where everybody every World Series is going off across yeah. the country. You're literally chasing a world series in your division. Um, the experience has to be identical. I mean, the, the stage may be bigger, but the experience will never, uh, never be taken away from you. So, um, so PJ Zarchi, you there, PJ? I'm here. All right. So I reached out to him this morning. He said, uh, I'm going to be all dirty and everything because he's a, <laughs> he's a head coach. that's out there doing field work, getting, uh, getting ready for practice and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I texted him back. I said, PJ, people don't understand that. You know, a head coach in college is not just the guy that puts on the uniform <laughs> during game day, and there's so much more to it. So, um, why don't you just fill it? Start us with that one, and then I'm going to go through the, uh, the the stuff that I sent you and just kind of pick off some of the items. Well, I appreciate the invite. Uh, like like Shafe just said, he texted me this morning, and I said I'll definitely be on, but I got to worry about my guys getting on the field. And we had a lot of rain last night. So yeah. I found a clean sweatshirt and a clean hat to put on in our club. <laughs> and everything underneath that is mud. Correct. Um, that's right. So, but yeah, like that's what I worry about as a head coach. There's a lot of different things at our level, but the main thing right now, when it's sunny out after rain, you got to be on the field because it's yep. about the players. So a lot, a lot more than this. I mean, you're, you know, you're the grounds crew. You are the, uh, you're the scheduler of practices. You are the, uh, the guy that has to go build a staff. Um, you're, you're, you, you know, you're the last piece to the recruiting process. Um, you know, you're doing, you, you have to show up at dinners and things like that. You have to do fundraising. I mean, just, you know, I mean, it, it, it is not just, um, hey, I'm a head coach, and you know I get to go to practice, write the lineup, and we play games. So much more to that. I mean, you you, you nailed it. Um, you know, I'm fortunate to get to do what I do, especially to show up every day to field. But 
I mean, you, you said it, booking hotels to meals to to everything. And, you know, the way that we're doing it at Anderson, it, it's top notch. So um, I want to make sure everything's perfect from the way we travel to what our guys eat, to the gear we get, to the facility and, and the field. Um, so it's it's a lot of fun. That's all I have to yeah. say when it comes well, to that. It, it's a lot of work and, uh, you know, it takes it takes a uh, – a special individual to stay in this game and, uh, and, and grind through it. So let's, let's kind of step back a second. And so you're, you're a Bronx kid. You're uh you're uh an all New York, you all state New York pitcher, which, you know, if people don't grow up in New York and realize how many players are in the state of New York to be selected that it's pretty, pretty high level, obviously uh, one of the top 50 pitchers coming out of high school in the country. Pretty impressive. Um, you end up at Clemson, South Carolina. So a guy from the Bronx goes down to Greenville, South Carolina. Um, pretty, uh, you know, pretty stout transition out of, uh, you know, pizza to grits, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but back then it was a lot different than Clemson is now. Clemson's built up, so you get a lot of northern kids. But back then, I mean, you know, my mindset – the way I worked to get to that point, my mindset was I was going down there for the tradition that was built with Coach Leggett and then Coach Wilhelm before him um, and just to play baseball and, and compete at a high level and, you know, win a national championship, which, you know, was one thing that we fell short, but we had opportunities and it was just culture. I got along with everyone. So, as long as you treat people the right way and we were all in that baseball brotherhood, the Bronx to Clemson did not phase me one bit. Did you, uh, did you show up with a gold chain and an Italian horn at first? Oh, hundred percent. Absolutely. It's like Tommy Viola. Right? <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I was the flat bill guy, backward <laughs> janky hat, Italian horn and cross gold, you know, yeah. Tip World 2003, New York City boy going to South Carolina. So it was basically, don't judge the book by its cover. Let me show you what I can do on top of that. Pretty much. I mean, I remember uh, walking in the horseshoe where pretty much all the freshmen live. And after about three weeks, you know, a couple of people said, you're really from New York City? I said, yeah. They said, well, you're the nicest New Yorker I've ever met. I said, where have you been in New York? They said, Times Square. I said, that's the there problem, you go, man. It doesn't fall far from the tree because I, you were out here playing against Queens when Queens was in the sack, and uh, and I'm standing, uh, you know, over by the first base dugout, and I'm talking to this this gentleman that has a New York accent, and it was uh, it was PJ's dad, and uh, you know, obviously you hear that accent, and we migrate right oh, to yeah. that, right to that, oh, the, yeah. right to that that person. So, is your dad doing okay? Yeah, my parents are great. I appreciate you asking. That they're in the warmer weather right now. They're in Florida. Ah, they'll, come up, they'll come up for opening day. They'll be back opening day. Good for them. So before before you you know before you hit the uh, you know the rankings and all this other stuff in high school, um, I can't imagine that you were thinking I want to go to Clemson, right? I mean, it had to be like a St. John's or a Seton Hall, or you know, those had to be the mindsets. And then all of a sudden. You know, because the stage of like PG and all that stuff really wasn't out there. Um, you know, people had to come find you up in, up in New York. The players weren't going down to environments like uh, the World Wood Bats or things like that. Totally different landscape with recruiting nowadays. Um, you know, talking about myself, I was fortunate. I played for a gentleman named Mark Yuseta in Bayside Yankees in the fall. 
because just like every pitcher, they think they can really hit. And I, and I, I hit back in the day, but in the <laughs> summers, I wanted to be a two-way player. So, honestly, Clemson started recruiting me before I knew who Clemson was, and then they were in the World Series in 02, and I was fortunate enough to pitch in the area code games out in Long, you know, Long Beach, California, and then that's how I met a lot of schools back in the day that I was recruited by. But, you know, once I went down to Clemson, spent the time down there on my visit, um, I just knew it was where I wanted to be because of the tradition, because of the work ethic that they instilled in the players. And, you know, playing for my dad and then playing for the high school coaches and the coaches I played for back then was travel ball, which – I mean, it isn't travel ball. It was no, it was, it was around the corner. It was the other neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, you know, you would go to the Worldwood Bat, and then you would yeah. go to Jupiter, but that was it. Yeah. Um, but playing for those, you know, hard nosed old school coaches prepared me for Coach Leggett and, and Coach. I mean, Sully. Yeah. Everyone knows him as Sully. So, so you know that. It, 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 funny you bring that up. Like I told you, this. You know, we have a list of things that I want to touch base on, but these things can go in a different direction. Um, you know, I, and I grew up. You know, obviously, I'm I'm older than you, but I, you know, growing up in New York, same thing. We had hardcore coaches that, uh, you know, that that were that were tough on us, but tough on us for a reason. It seems like now that we we got got to handle certain things with kid gloves, and it's. Uh, and I don't expect you to 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 comment on this. I don't. Uh, but you know, we had I, we had hard nosed coaches. So my son Dylan is going to Wilmington, and Randy Hood is an old old school coach, right? He's 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 a tough dude. And I'm sitting down with Dylan, and I'm like, uh, you know, you know, you're going somewhere where this guy is going to be hard on you. He, you know, it doesn't mean he's mean. He's going to be hard on you. And Dylan looked at me and said, "Dude, I played for you. I'm okay." <laughs> so right. He, same thing. You played for your dad and. You know, the separation of father and son on the field is 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 difficult, but, you know, because I'm sure your father was probably harder on you than probably everybody else. Uh, I mean, for sure. But then, I mean, I, I have stories of when it was 9, 10, 11, but the main thing, what you hit on, you played wiffle ball. You played out in, the, out in the street all the time. We did all that. We didn't have to ask to do that, you know. So we're always doing that, which helps in the development of the game, which kind of instills that work in my opinion. And then, you know, I was fortunate. I was challenged by uh, Fred Gallo. Fred Gallo was a old, a minor league player back in the day that he was business. Yeah. So, so it's uh, the, um, the players back then had better instincts because we did things on our own. Right. And I always say this, that, you know, our competition was in the streets um, playing against our best buddies every single day. And the that competition was more intense than going around the corner to play against somebody else. I mean, you went together as a pack, but when you got a, you know, you got bragging rights to handle, you know, and that's a, um, you know, different story. And kids don't do that. Everything, everything is very sterile. Now you got to be on a, you got to be on a travel team. You got to go to this practice. You got to go these, everybody's got these coaches and it's, it's a different environment. So, you know, that's what we see with the players is the instinct of the game. Isn't the same as what it was. I think the athlete, I know the athlete, we've said this before, bigger, stronger, faster, mm -hmm. right? I mean, the science has just changed the athlete as far as nutrition, strength and conditioning, speed training, um, you know, all the, all the, you know, the machines and all these other things to get more reps. But in terms of playing the game and the instincts of the game, that is a little bit more difficult to cultivate because these kids are, you know, they're moving on to college and haven't had the experiences that we've had. 
I mean, if you're playing it every day in the street or going to a field, you're learning things without even knowing that one. And my thing is how many younger kids in high school are actually watching baseball? They're watching highlights because of social media. So if they're not watching the game and understanding that game 102, how the pitcher's pitching someone and what happens there, they don't know that. And then my biggest tool that I try and help in the nine years of coaching college is making sure guys are watching the playoffs because everyone's, you know, there's so it's such it's heightened so much in the playoffs that you can learn so much from watching playoff games. So a good, great point, man, because I, I, again, I, the game has changed for me. So I, I, I love what I do, right? We love, we love what we do at the high school youth travel, high school level and helping kids move on to college and watching the college game because it's still the way that I grew up playing, right? There's a lot of small ball involved. There's a lot of, you know, uh, you know, playing for one run here and there not playing for three or four all the time. And, um, the playoffs go back to that. You see more stolen bases mm-hmm. percentage wise. You see more guys moving runners over. You see more guys trying to hit sack flies instead of trying to hit bombs. So the season is all, to me, becomes more statistical individually, right? What can I do to make sure I get a bigger contract? What can I make sure that, you know, I'm going to uh, have security for my family for the next 50 years? On top of that, when you get into the playoffs and it comes down to the thing that we've always played for, and you're going to play for, hopefully play for a Division II College World Series. Um, you know, I mean, every every college coach out there is dreaming of that. Um, but the game comes back to what it originally was supposed to be. Uh, maybe the difference, I think, PJ, and you'll, you, I assume you would agree, is that they're not letting the arms go as deep as they can. You got a guy going into the fifth inning and you're still dealing, and they're going to go get him, and they're going to go manage their pen a different way. Yeah, I mean, that's at every level now. I mean, I don't think – it's funny you bring that up. Well, we're talking about – I introduced my coaching staff to someone at the ABCA who mentioned, you know, a couple other players. We looked up one of the players who I know personally because he's in this area. His son's a younger player. He threw 162 innings in a year mm. in the college level. Yeah. You know, but in, in professional baseball in the playoffs, yes, it, everything's specialized now. Yeah. So, I mean, think about it. If you go five innings at a star, as a starter and you come out winning the game nowadays in the big league level, you're getting paid for a long time, five innings. Sure. Ten yep. years ago, it was it was like seven. Yep. And then it was before your era. It was they didn't no, go dude, more, listen, twenty I, I played, I played with Nolan Ryan. He threw one hundred and sixty pitches in a game. Yeah, you know, and you're not gonna, you know, he walk out there and say, "Hey, Nolan, you want to come out of the game?" He's ain't coming out of the game. You know, different, 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 uh, different mindset. But you know, a lot of a lot of that has to do with the training as well. I mean, you you know, uh, stamina is not a big part of the athlete now. It's 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 short spurts, explosion, right? It's hard throw as hard as you can for as long as you can, and then we're gonna get you out at a period of time. So there's no you know, uh, you know, talking with Jack McDowell many times about this, it's that, you know, you go through a part of a lineup as a pitcher and he's like, I got guys I could, I could take some time off on, you know, I don't have to max out. I don't have to like, like if Jack McDowell was, was facing me one through nine, he, he wouldn't have to freaking work very hard. Right. But, you know, in a, you know, you're going through a lineup where you got to get through the top of the order, the middle of the order, and then you get towards the bottom of the order. Then, okay, I can, I can split the dish with this fastball. He's not going to take me out of the yard. He's going to roll over on it going to do some different things but these guys are trained to go for five innings throw as hard as you can grind it out and i believe that's a lot of the reasons that there's blowouts i mean this is obviously that's opinion 
Um, but you know, we were talking about a kid before we, before we brought you on that we have Coleman Harvey, low eighties, pounds of strike zone with three pitches, probably four because he's got a little two seamer too. But um, great pickoff move. This kid could probably throw hundred and ten pitches and not and get people out and stay in the strike zone. But that's not sexy anymore, is it? It just depends on the the program, the team, and what you're looking right. for. I mean, you know, I, sometimes you're talking about taking guys out early and and leaving them in. I, to me, it goes about how taxing is the game and how taxing are the innings. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense with how we would uh, manage a bullpen or a starter, um, right. but like I said, each program is different. If you can pitch three pitch mix. And command the zone, inner half, especially at this level, um, you can compete and win. Right. Well, you that's. Know, I mean, that's. You know, obviously that everybody out there is trying to throw hard, and you know, you, you, you. We have we have guys that'll go out and throw for us, and in two innings they're at sixty pitches, or three innings they're at sixty pitches, and you know, you're like, you know, I mean, there's no efficiency to their to their to their approach. And then you know, the other part is, you know, you have guys that throw harder. So there's more, there's more swing and misses, right? That keeps him throwing more pitches because he has to throw three strikes to strike somebody out. Right. But you have guys that can that can move the ball, change speeds, get soft contact. They can be they can get through an inning in nine pitches and then kind of be be more efficient. So you're right. I guess it becomes a personal preference onto what you're looking for and what the, what the needs are. Um, so you get done playing, you play a little, you get done playing at Clemson, you play a little minor league baseball with the Dodgers. And then was the other team an independent team that you went to? After independent, that? independent. Okay. Uh, drafted Indians, independent Dodgers, independent, two minor injuries, you know, in minor league, sure. minor league baseball. Um, and just kept going because I was passionate about the game and competing. I mean, I'm still sure. passionate about the game and competing and just in a different sense. So, so was it in your was it in your in your mindset even as a player that you know someday I'd like to stay in the game and coach because of the uh, the influences of all these other guys that coached you along the way? Hundred yeah. percent. I mean, I mean, I as much as we do as a college coach, there's no. I mean, I I would love being on the field. I love the yeah. game. I love learning the game. Now it's about impacting the guys that come into our program and teaching them about the game. So you jump in, you go to you go to Newberry when you get done. Is that is that was the next step when you got done pitching? You go to Newberry. Yeah, pretty much out of the game, out of the game in a sense, not playing or coaching for about four months. Um, you know, a former teammate of mine was the pitching coach there. He said, "Hey, I'm taking another opportunity." And then the head coach was a teammate of mine at Clemson, um, Russell Triplett, um, yep. middle infielder, um, and it was a phenomenal experience. I mean, he 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 came up. To my house in Clemson, met my wife, and my daughter was going to be born that July. That's one reason why I probably didn't go back and continue to play. Um, I wanted to be home for my, my daughter, and I knew I wanted to get into coaching. Uh, he came up and said, you sure you want this? I said, yeah. And then he looked at my wife and said, you sure you want this? And she was like, yeah. So long story short, I was commuting for four years, 93 miles one way, um, and it was – Phenomenal. It was awesome. I mean, coaching on the trip, working with Coach Snyder, um, Coach Fogey, and some other younger coaches around it. It was an awesome experience. Um, had some really good teams. I learned a lot from trip. Um, you know, then after a couple of years, kind of knew I wanted to eventually become a head coach because of all I learned from him. And, you know, we had a lot of fun. So that that drive did not seem 
that long because when you're working with people you enjoy, you work with the kids and, and you're seeing them, you know, have some success by learning from you. It was an awesome experience. So it's amazing. So he walks into a family, right? A husband, a wife, and a one-year-old baby and goes, I'm going to give you no money. You want to coach? <laughs> So the, my, the, the mentality is the mentality of a baseball guy is, yeah, that's where I need to be. I mean, you chose happiness over, over, you know, going I out. Can tell, I can tell you this. The money that I was making as an assistant was going to my gas and a little bit of the mortgage at the time at Clemson. Luckily, I'm married up. Child, but you got to get out and work. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's awesome. So, um, you know, the interesting is, is I, I only know one, one manager in the big leagues. I only know one manager in the big leagues. That was a pitcher that had any success. And that was Bud Black. So many, so many, I mean, pitchers don't, once you get into being a PO, basically the mindset becomes, you know, it's an, it's like being the quarterback. You become an individual position, right? That's, that's it. You just, you just, that's your job and everything else that goes on in the game in terms of, uh, a feel for the game, um, you know, when to hit and run, when to steal a base, how to watch different guys. It doesn't work for very many pitchers. So, uh, but obviously you're starting to, you know, you're showing the success, what you're doing at Anderson right now. And, and, and from you got there, I think they won maybe what three, three games, four games, 10 games. And then you went to 23 and, you know, now you had a 500 season. Um, you know, why, why you as a pitcher, you know, have the successes that you're having as a, as, as a head coach? I mean, I, I just try and learn the game and I've been around a lot of really good managers and I always try to, you know, pay attention to what was going on. Um, but I think that goes back to just playing the game at a young age and constantly having that, that drive and passion for the game where honestly, until I went to college, I was a, I was a player and a student of the game. I had to make a decision to just be a pitcher. Yeah. Um, so that kind of has a little bit to do with it. I still got a long way to go um, when it comes to all that stuff as a head coach and learning the ins and outs of the game. But to me, I think right now at the level where I'm at, it's about also managing your personnel. So you, you, you might want to do certain things on the field, but if you don't have the right personnel, you can't do it. So it's kind of managing the personnel within the game. Okay, so that 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 comes down to two things. Uh, two things I want to make sure that we cover. One, as a head coach, picking your staff, right? So now you're saying you have to go into somebody's living room and say the same thing that that triplet said to you. Like, I have very little money, but I have an opportunity. So, do you want to take it or not? And you got and you have to evaluate the personality and say, okay, is this somebody that's going to stick around in the game for a while, or is this somebody that's just kind of looking to kind of bide some time and and do whatever? So. Selecting your staff. You have Sutherland there now. You told me you just lost uh, Tory to uh, Pro Ball, uh, which you had, you know, and we love Sutherland. He's he's a great communicator when he's around us. Uh, I think he's got a really good eye for, uh, you know, for the talent, at least when he we see him. And then Tory was great too. Um, so now it, the the head coach's job is is expecting the recycle of a staff almost every year. So yeah, I'm I'm learning that as I go. So obviously you know Pete. Parisi, yeah, um, you know he left last 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 ABC in Chicago to take a scouting job in Dallas, who was doing a lot of the pitching for me. And then this year, Tory's going to the Twins, um, and then you know Dylan will be here for his third year, and you know yep. he'll be in that role um, moving forward for right now as 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 a top assistant. And then we got a 
put some stuff together um, after this season. Like I said, I'm fortunate I have uh, Will Cheatham, who's a volunteer here, um, helping with the pitching, but also uh, Dax Roper, who, who's a local um, product of you know high high IQ baseball offensively as a hitting coach. He, he's helping out and, and with us since this fall. So I mean. Good, bad timing. We're gonna get through, and then you gotta you gotta make the move moving forward uh, for next year. You know, a, a after the season's over, because it's it's too late. You're talking about you, you need to hire good people who you know are gonna be around when this happens at this time. You know, right? You gotta so make sure you're doing you still, your due diligence of who you're bringing in. So you gotta you gotta keep you gotta keep a black book, right? Of all the coaches you meet out there and stuff along the way, because you're gonna be creating opportunities as people leave all along. So, um, you know, it 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 does pay to be um, engaged with as many coaches that are out there, um, because you never know what tomorrow's gonna bring, and you might have right. to pick up the phone and call somebody and and do that. So now, so hey, by the way, this is my son Dylan PJ. I don't know. Dylan, if you've seen I, you're Dylan better than remember me. I think I was your first offer. He was your first. I At our place during the COVID year. Yep, I still have the business card. Well, you gotta say thank you, man. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, Dylan just hobbled in on crutches. Um, obviously committed to Wilmington, and uh, he's going through the rehab process. He decided he wanted to play football, and uh, and popped his knee when running a pattern. So he didn't get hit. So I can't necessarily blame football one hundred percent. Although he knows I wasn't very happy about it. Um, but, uh, he was running a pattern and popped his knee. And, uh, so now he's rehabbing and he'll be, uh, he'll be back. We graduated him in December. So he's, uh, he's on the pro ball mentality, man, rehab, lift, eat, sleep, get back up and do it. I got to get him involved in, in soap operas and he'll, he'll be, he'll be, <laughs> he'll be complete at that point. Um, so now, so, so you, you leave Newberry, which you had some success there because obviously you developed some pitches that kind of, uh, had great college careers, uh, a lot of awards. Um, now you go to Anderson and uh, you take over a program that had limped along in the, in the Carolinas for a long time. Um, almost, almost unknown, you know, I mean, wasn't a program that you saw everybody out uh, recruiting uh, our events and stuff like that, reach out to them, not there. And, uh, but now, you know, you, you've taken a different approach, you take an aggressive approach. You've taken the mindset that, you know, you want to be one of the best in the country. So you're taking something that not necessarily wasn't that was just a program. Basically, we always feel we call it like admissions program. Right. But now you're taking a, a program and you're turning it into uh, a highly competitive program. We got to see you play out here last year and we were the catcher you had. What was his name? Martinez. Is that was that? What, Carlos was Hernandez. Dude, that, that, that was a dude. Definitely a dude. Um, uh enjoyed watching your club play i mean they were prepared goals are obviously college world series um but you know getting into the getting into the playoffs it's been a long time since anderson's been into the conference playoffs um are you on yeah the i'll just give you the breakdown from my perspective on that i mean you know I hired july 19 covid had a lot of momentum going in it, you know two games on the 500 and we stopped we felt like we had a good part of the season coming. 21, bring guys back. And I'll tell anyone, I, I tell people this, worst, best year of my life on a baseball field. Okay, I learned so much that year. Played 40 games, four on the weekend. We weren't built for that. We didn't have the pitching for that. So it was an up and down. 
I rode the roller coaster. I drove it. Okay. <laughs> you know, everyone talks about culture. You got to, you know, build your own culture. And at some point you got to, it's all about bringing in the right like-minded type players that fit into the culture of what you're trying to accomplish. And then last year we did that. We brought in, a, you know, not a lot of new guys, but it's the relationship piece going back to what you were saying about recruiting our middle infield last year had a relationship out of high school. One goes to Jugo, one goes somewhere else. They come in. Pete and I built a relationship with Hernandez. Phenomenal human being overall yeah. behind the plate. So it's the relationship piece with the recruiting and then bringing in the right guys that have the same type of mindset as the coaching staff. So, yeah, last year, 500, um, which was short. I mean, we did a lot of good things to begin the year. And, you know, when you still got to get the pieces to the puzzle, that's what we fell short. You know, we were, we were, we were short in the bullpen last year. Um, and that hurt us in, in a stretch. Uh, so we're going to be better in the bullpen, but to go back to the conference and, and the mindset and the goals that one year, the goals were set too far. Okay. You got to have realistic goals in this game. You know, you can't go from nine and 10 and expect to win the conference. You got to build towards that. And that first year, whether it was the, the 21 season, I was too far out in advance rather than worrying about the guys in the program to build towards it. Um, and that's, so that's taking that's, over that's, a program, like you said, that struggled for a little while. Yeah, that's real. That's reeling in a competitive nature to a degree of getting it under control because, you know, you never stepped on the field not expecting to win. No. I can't imagine you're dead in your life, right? And, you know, that, this knucklehead right here, we got to control him because that's his, that's his mentality too is that he – how do you reel in that? You know, somebody used to say it's better to tame a stallion than to uh, than to kick a mule. And um, you know, when you're as competitive as you are, or, or you know, type A personalities in the athletic environment, it's uh, it, it, it's it's not. It probably wasn't easy to swallow that, even though you had to recognize the fact that we didn't have the horses to uh, to go ahead and compete. So, you know, now you now you're rebuilding the program. Um, how big is the transfer portal for you? N- Honestly, it's not that big. We're, we're on it, but the yeah. success right now isn't great. It's got to be someone you know mm-hmm. or recruited before, um, you know, just because different generations. Uh, just because you went to X A school doesn't mean you're better than us, you know. So we, right. we've seen a lot of if you're going for a Division One guy, you know, they think they're automatically Division One, and you know, we have one. We have one mid mid-year transfer that's here right now that came from a division three mm-hmm. who had really good numbers, has pitched a lot. Who's a grad school guy um, who played with two guys, two of our better players in summer ball. And I mean, he's legit. And you know, there's, what was that? At some point, 2000, 2000 players in the, in the transfer portal. They're not all good. Yeah, and they're all 3,280 yeah, was yeah. the number. You don't know have a place to go either. Like they, they all can't be good. And the other part of it is they're in the portal for a reason. Either they have a personality conflict with the coaching or the staff or they're not prepared to work or, you know, they didn't let the, they didn't, they didn't get to hear. Uh, they didn't like the idea to say that, listen, dude, if you know, you're not a starter, you're not working hard enough, you're not doing whatever. And they jump out and they think that it's going to, uh, it's going to, it's, it's going to change. Um, so the, so Let's go back and talk a little bit about the uh, the pro ball type of experience and things like that. How much how much of pro ball experience do you use in projecting on players? 
You know, you, you know, everybody thinks you see, uh, you go into pro ball, right. And especially in the lower minor leagues and stuff like that, there's a lot of guys that slide into the game that really don't belong at that level. Just maybe at the right point, right time got in. Um, and there's a lot of guys that, you know, Michael Patrick was one, right. One of the, we had this deaf outfield. The kid was a phenomenal player. Um, and didn't get a chance to go, but it was better than just about anybody we ever had. Amazing taking, couldn't hear the ball off the bat, PJ, but took routes like nobody else I've ever ever played with. So there's a guy that doesn't get a chance to get in, but then there's a number of guys that are in there. So you got to kind of weed out and, and have uh, and have an eye to you know appreciate what the talent is and what it's supposed to look like. Do you use a lot of pro ball guys as a barometer, saying this player kind of looks like like I'll see somebody and say, well, he kind of looks like Vizquel at a younger age, or um, we got a kid here, Dylan Lewis. To me, it looks like Frank Thomas when Frank Thomas was in high school. Um, you know, you saw Dylan last year. I don't know if you remember him, the uh, the the big black outfielder. Um, oh, yeah. Just a beast, right? Great kid, great family. But that was what Frank Thomas looked like at that age. Um, so I do that a lot. I'll kind of project and I'll kind of parallel. Do you use that formula? Or do you have your own kind of mindset? I mean, you have to use a lot of different, to me, avenues to be successful at our level. I mean, you got to look projection. You got to look what they're doing now if they're a gamer or you, you use like someone like yourself, people who you trust. Um, I don't think there's any right or wrong formula to, to building a team. You know, sometimes the projection, you miss on that more than getting a gamer. You know, it's um, interesting you so say that. So, again, you know, we press, we push players, and we've, we've tried to push players your way that we like, that you didn't like, and there's no, there's no hard feelings in any of that. And I mean, we, you know, we've done it with Dylan as well, too. I mean, you know, there's certain guys that, you know, like a certain athlete in a certain way. And, you know, maybe there's a spot, maybe there's not. But, you know, building the network of people that are out there. Um, and there's a lot of good baseball people out there at, at my level. Right. Not just, you know, I'm just saying everybody that comes through here is is whatever. Whatever we say is, is gospel. There's a lot of Scott Bankhead is one. You know, I mean, if I want to name uh, Chris, uh, Chris McKnight up with the Mid, Mid-Atlantic Orioles, there's a lot of really good baseball people out there that that present it. But not every player that we present fits into their into the model and thick skinned people succeed in this thing so you know pj come back and say you know you know i just i don't see it fitting in there and everything i'm not my i'm not my feelings aren't hurt you know what i mean it's like we're moving on he's moving on and uh and we keep doing it because i want to be able to call him back again and say i have this player and maybe he likes that player it's a, a different fit so do you have a network have you has it been because you've been in in the south for a while now is your wife from south carolina yes she is okay all right. Um, that's an interesting combination, right? <laughs> From the Bronx to Greenville. <laughs> I, like I tell people, country girl with a big city attitude. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. But, um, you know, so do you, have, it, has it been yeah. uh, difficult to build that network of people? I mean, or is it no, pretty, you gotta easy, talk. Or it's pretty easy to recognize pretty quick? I mean, you got to talk to people and then, you know, Eventually, you build the trust in, in, in the network of who you're going to listen to and who you're not. I mean, one thing for us, a kid could be a really good player, but if I have two guys that I think are a little ahead of him, I want him to go somewhere where he's going to compete and play early. I don't want to backlock and do justice to a kid, if that makes sense, going back to the recruiting oh, piece. Sometimes, you know, that's why there's a lot, lot in the transfer portal, in my opinion. You're bringing in too many players with the – knowing that they're not going to probably play. Yeah. Don't do that kid a disservice. Tell them, hey, 
you just don't fit right now what we're looking for. We're, we have too many guys right now in that spot. You might need to go somewhere else. And then you know, I've done that more now in the past three years of telling kids we like, but we just maybe the grades are a little short or we don't have the money for them to maybe go to a junior college. And then we'll come get you on the back end if you continue to develop. Yeah. Just I don't want to I don't want to mislead anyone in the recruiting game. With your uh, with your newest incoming cl- uh, commitment classes, where is your recruitment avenues like mostly from? Is it from third party websites like PBR, PG with their profiles, kids reaching out to you, you going out to different tournaments? Where 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 are those routes coming from? I want to see kids live. Yeah, a video will get maybe if if I get a video in there, and I'm like, okay, that arm might work a little bit. Nice swing. I want to see him live. I mean, okay, going back best- to Shave, you, you said it earlier, um, you know, so much technology, right? Yep. But, and it's great. Yep. But just seeing exit velo off a tee doesn't mean a kid's a hitter. In my opinion. Right. Yeah. And, Andrew's made a great point along the way, and he said, that, you know, every video that you see out there is a highlight film. Nobody's ever made a mistake, made, never made an error, and, you know, and, uh, um, you know, people don't realize that the, the coaches are evaluating you on your failure as well as your success. Right. You know, how do you handle that? And that's, you know, something that, we, you know, we've built that into, into Dylan and my oldest son, Zach, who's, uh, who got hurt. Like, you know, he got hurt young, uh, earlier in high school and did, didn't move on to play. Um, but you know, you always got to be prepared to play the game. Like nobody's watching and it's the last game that you're ever going to play. You know, you, you got to go about it in, um, in a, in a certain a certain aspect um, with a certain aggression to it. Um, controlled Dylan, controlled aggression. Okay. Got that. Controlled aggression. <laughs> Con- controlled aggression. Um, so Kirby well, Smart said it best, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Andrew. So with us living in like a showcase era right now, I mean, you, it's almost like you have to have like a lens on to see these showcase type players versus like actual baseball players. How hard is that to recognize? You got to go to showcase. You got to build relationships with the coaches who are running the showcases. And if something sparks your attention, I think you got to follow up and, and go watch the kid play live. So do you think, do you think the better scenario is to go to a big showcase and try to navigate through the numbers, right? Because, you know, a lot of showcases are built. A lot of the stuff in our world is built on dollars, right? What's the volume? How many people can I get here regardless of the talent level? doesn't matter right then all of a sudden you got to see a nugget here and there that's 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 showcase right unless you go into a you know and even even at these invite onlys it's it's not easy to get all the best that you can get or to find the right guys and say okay um come come to anderson come to the camp come to our camp limited number and and i and i i know the answer but i want you i want to hear it from you too but you know come to anderson see the campus get to know the staff a little bit better because you'll have all your staff there then okay i'm going to go see this kid at this showcase event uh, or i'm going to go watch this kid play in a tournament he for example like when dylan was down there at anderson and you saw him he had an opportunity to have numerous at bats on campus and he happened to have several plays that day um yeah but you know so so go to your point not because it's you and your son he made yeah. some really nice plays. He went hard. He dove. He made plays. Yeah. That I mean, that defines a player to me. Like the biggest thing for me is a pet peeve of mine as a coach is when we have events at our place, when you have kids walking in with Crocs, 
their earbuds in. They're going to get loose on the line with their Crocs and everything. I don't care if you're 15 or 18. Yeah. Everyone, I'm watching everything. Yeah. You know, then warming up nonchalantly. No, have a purpose. Everyone's watching because what you're doing now is going to dictate down the road, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I like, I like, we use a whole, we use showcases, we use in game, but it's, it's also word of mouth. So the budget, the budget, obviously you don't have the budget. budget no, I'm just gonna, the, <laughs> so uh, there's no, the, the budget is not what a Clemson is or, you know, something like that that can travel all over the place to see, see numerous different kids, right? People that, are, that, that attract them. So, um, you got to pick and choose the environments that you need to go to and hopefully see the better, the better talent. But to go back to the fact with, you know, when Dylan was there is that um, you got to see him in your facility on your field with your staff. Right. But you could, he could have been there that day and, you know, you know, only had two at bats and didn't have any plays the whole day. And you can't really get a gauge on that. So what is the ideal scenario for you to see a player? I mean, we have to follow up right, with, with coaches. So if I see him have two at-bats and no plays, but I'm going over, I know he was playing there with your organization. If, if it's a, a travel team, I don't really know, and they come to our place. I'm, we're going to go over and ask him for a roster, and we're going to say, hey, identify your top three players or your athletes, and then we're going to watch. Then if you like someone, you're gonna, we're going to go back, and we're going to eventually reach out and try and see him again. And then – if it's someone who we don't know or we don't have a really um, a relationship with and they're at our place, then I'm going to try and reach out to the, the high school coach because yeah. he's around him more than the travel coach. Yep. You got anything for PJ? No? no. Good? Yeah, I'm good. Dude, I, it, it seems like the, it's always the sunrise there in Anderson. <laughs> this- <laughs> That's a great stream, but it is. It's probably nice out right now. I'm, in, I'm inside the uh, – well, I don't know if you were here. Were you here when we redid the the clubhouse inside? No, we were we were there. We were there when you first got there, really. And um, uh, your staff was there. And that listen, that, COVID. Yeah, yeah that right. Way beginning COVID. Yep. We there. And uh, you know what? That that facility has really good bones to it. So oh, yeah. you know, whatever enhancements you're making, I mean, it is a. Oh, get to see it. We can get a peek here. I mean, the only thing we're missing right now in this room is the. Uh, the deep, the stuff on the wall, but we got all couches or everything, team room. Oh, good. I mean, it's tough to do it with the, the laptop, but I mean, a lot, a lot of good things going on around here um, in that aspect. So good in the field, you guys get that because the, the field is it's a good sized field. It's got, uh, I mean, it's got it has stadium seating. It's older, but it's uh, the dugouts are big. Um, you know, it, it really is a it is a good facility. It just needs some uh, some TLC. Yeah, my staff has done a good job of cleaning up, and every year we get laser gray, all that. I mean, it's yeah. the surface is good right now. No complaints. No, here. listen, man, listen, you're, you're building landscapers in case they ever want to leave the game. <laughs> <laughs> so, PJ, man, I can't thank you enough for uh, for jumping on and answering my uh, my text in the morning. Uh, we're excited for what you're doing down there at uh, – at Anderson, um, happy for Tory. When you talk to him, tell him congratulations. Uh, Sutherland, we look forward to seeing him soon again, and uh, the rest of your the rest of your staff. And uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch with uh, 
with some of our guys and other guys that Andrew and I see along the way with, uh, with USA baseball. So, um, thanks for your time. Get back out in there in the mud and, um, you know, enjoy the rest of the day and practice. Thank you, Shafe. Thanks, Andrew. All right. Good luck. All right. All right, man. So dude, how'd you get here? I walked. I left my you walk. You did your crutches all the way from oh, Fort Mill up here. here did you get in your own car? Keep that closer to you. Nan dropped you off? Yeah, Nan dropped you off. Oh, off. good. Okay. That's good, because I was going to say, if you got in your car, then you got issues with your mother coming in to get <laughs> yeah. home. You know that, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's big. Because who is the boss at home? The mom. None of us, right? Yeah, we've got no say. Who's second in line? Not you. Not me. <laughs> who's who's third in line? The dog. Still not you. Everybody. <laughs> who's at the bottom? <laughs> you. I needed, I needed uh, you know, uh, Dylan's grandfather, Pap. Everybody knows F8 when they come out here yeah. and they see F8. Pap used to call himself Nemo. He felt like he was at the bottom of it. I felt pretty good. Now that Pap's passed away, I'm like Nemo. Oh. So I, I, I'm at the end. You feeling good? Yeah. So for you guys that don't know, so Dylan, we mentioned a little bit earlier, um, committed to go to Wilmington. Um, had a great conversation with Randy Hood uh, after the fact. I think Dylan was a little bit nervous, you know, about having a scholarship and then getting injured. But the time, the timing kind of works out. Um, but Randy was great and just said, Hey, you know, we recruited you, you know, for a reason over a year ago. And, you know, now we're, uh, we're not coming off you. We believe in you. And, and when we get there, you'll be ready. And if you're not ready, we'll get you with the right people. So that had to feel pretty good. Yeah. Especially after all the sadness and disappointment after hearing about ACL and having to have surgery. Yeah. That was a, uh, that was a difficult day in the, in, in Dr. Fleishley's office. So Fleishley and architect sports, uh, ortho Carolina architect sports has been phenomenal to our family. We actually left re I left rehab cause I had a file cabinet accident, right? I got yeah, run over accident. by a file yeah, cabinet. Yeah. Um, and, uh, file so Dylan is there with that. his ACL and my mother-in-law is getting ready to have meniscus surgery. So the three of us are in rehab. <laughs> the whole family experience was there, but, um, you know, now you're, now you're at the point, you know, I, when we left Fleischer's office and Dylan and I were driving there, um, you know, I told him, I said, listen, man, let's, let's hope for the best, but expect the worst. Yeah. And we, we got the worst, um, you know, he's going to have to have surgery because he was moving pretty good. He was hurt and knucklehead wouldn't really identify that he was hurt. He was I thinking, was in, oh, I was in no pain. You're in no pain and doing daily stuff or like, move, I can move straight forward and, anything walking i was yeah. fine but it was just when i had to pivot side to side yeah. so he so he hurt himself it had to be a few games left so i hurt myself early in the season running routes it was let like two weeks to our last game and i was fine and then i played the rest of the season this is football yeah football i played the rest of the season without a problem and then i started we started conditioning for high school baseball and then i was conditioning fine and then we were just messing around on Thanksgiving, like everybody. And then that's when I heard it again. And then that's when you noticed and it was all swollen up. And then that was a month after yeah. the first time I heard it. So we didn't even, I didn't even know that I was, something was wrong until a month later. So he's smart, but he's not really bright. He's a smart kid, but no, I didn't realize it was hurt. I can't, I can only go straight. I can't go side to side. So he did. So no, we know and those file cabinets had it out for you. I'm not very bright either. <laughs> I didn't say that. that I had nothing to do with me being bright and not being bright. I'm I'm the least brightest in that family. Um, so so now so we go we go to Fleishley's office, Doctor Fleishley, that handles you know a lot of the athletes in the area and it's handled our family uh, by recommendation from Architect Sports and Alan Tyson, who was the trainer when I played with the Knights. 
down at Fort Mill in 93 with, uh, with Cleveland's organization. And, um, you know, he did the tests and I was sitting with my back to Fleischley, uh, behind Fleischley and turned around and he's like, it's ACL. And both of us were just like, I wanted to cry for him. I did. I was, I was kind of mad in a sense, you know, like I told you, you know, but, um, I can imagine. but it wasn't, it wasn't, he ran a route and it popped. It wasn't when he got hit. So I can't, it could have happened on the baseball field, could have happened anywhere else. But, and then my heart just sunk for him, you know, because he's got a senior year coming. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that are projecting certain things on him. There's a lot of things being projected as far as the team goes. They got to the state championship last year and lost in the last mm-hmm. game. Um, you know, it was a great run. Um, so that was heartbreaking as a dad to know that, you know, your kid is going to miss out on something that's that was special to me. It would have been special mm-hmm. to him. But, um, you know, that was it was it was it was difficult, wasn't it? The emotions of it. Oh, yeah. It, it sucked. Yeah, it still sucks, especially knowing that I won't get to play a senior yeah. year. So we got we got in the, we have a gym in our house, and uh, we got in there together last night for the first time. And uh, we would have had a better workout, but we found out there was a leak, so I had to go help the girls with oh, the boy. yeah, shut the water down. And you couldn't keep up. I couldn't <laughs> keep up, so you had to go tend to the leak. Well, Dude, I did okay. You, you were winded. Yeah, I'm 63 years old. <laughs> you're freaking 18. <laughs> yeah, I was winded. No doubt, I'll be winded the rest of my life at this age. That's <laughs> so what absolute... do you do now? Do you just do a lot of hand drills and that bench press? Up any, I can do anything upper body as long as I'm not putting pressure on my leg. Still work with the tennis balls. Now I got my leg exercises they have me doing. Do you can't bend at all yet? Ninety degrees is what I can get it to. That's it. But that's not on his own. He's got to pull that to ninety degrees oh, okay. with, yeah. with a band. So he's working through. But he's he got to ninety degrees faster than. Uh, than they than they expected so you know overachiever over it's no doubt about it no <laughs> doubt about it but so yeah we'll do we'll do we'll do tennis ball things like he'll sit there we'll start doing all that stuff now um you know we we saw that he's capable of lifting he's moving around he can get up and do some things on his own so it's uh you know it's going to be better than what it was it's just the, the part that's that stinks about the whole thing is that it's time and it's the it's the experiences that he missed, not so much the opportunity. The opportunity has been there. I mean, there might have been an opportunity, you know, depending on the season that he had, to, to possibly be on a draft board. Never know. We don't know if that, you know, that would take a place. But there was, you know, he was going to workouts with pro teams. Um, so you know that 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 opportunity was was possibly there. But you know, there's a reason for everything, man. And um, you know, and he probably needed to back off a little bit, slow and kinda, down, slow his head down, not you know, slow his head down a little bit, and regroup and uh we'll go forward we'll work hard and we'll 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 get him back and be better than ever and uh you know he's going to get on the field and compete he always does it's just uh that that'll never be an issue so we just got to make sure he's got win reality which we i'm a fan of win reality and we just got the bad piece so he can put the oculus on um he can sit there and he can see pitches thrown at him and he can you know work on timing and things like that so we're going to do everything that we possibly can do um that don't that doesn't include you know pressure on a leg until it's time to get pressure on a leg. No, but mindset's there, but now he's a, you know, now he's a slug. Now it's, you know, it's, 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 he's like a pro player. It's, you know, it's workout, play, go to sleep, yep. eat. That's it. <clears throat> That's it. So, well, anything else, Andrew, man, no, we all good. good. Got a lot we're of things good. going on. Okay. Uh, we appreciate it real quick. Again, catch us camp tomorrow, man. We got, you know, if you want in, you better do it now because uh, we are basically at the limit of 20, yep. which was the number that we wanted to be at. Uh, but we can squeeze a couple more in if you're interested. Uh, race is awesome. The NIL, man, any families, any players get here. 
Um, it's free. Just go online and register so we can control the numbers. You people need to know what that is all about. Um, it is, it is, it's a wild, wild west right now. And you need some kind of, uh, some guidance through that. Uh, Chris Vasami coming in on the 29th. I'll yep. work with him. Todd, Todd, uh, Todd Friedman from Blast Motion will be here with us also. Um, camp there. I think we're, we're over 20 yeah, now. Around 20. Um, yeah. You know, so uh, we, yeah, we can't take very many more in there because we want to make sure that, you know, our camps aren't based on volume. They're based right. on quality. Yeah. Um, Steve Springer, who's one of our favorite people in the world, quality isn't he? Quality at bats. Quality at bats, Did baby. he try and sell you something? Compete with confidence. That and how to get a free steak. There you go. He did. He, yep. told, he told my boys how to get a free steak. Of course. Eat half the steak, call the manager over, tell her it's not done well, and then get a whole nother steak. <laughs> Brilliant. Yep. Spring. That's a minor league life. That's a minor league mentality, man. That's a hustle. That's a, that's a guy from a big family that just didn't have much food on the table. Going to figure out how to get it. And the pitcher catcher exposure camp, yep. um, you know, that is on the 5th of February. So go to uh, Southeast NTIS to register for all of those except the NIL, which is UDACF.org. Oh, yep. And uh, come out and check out the tuck, which will soon be renamed the stick for Stick Williams. Um, a lot going uh, on around here. Yeah, there's so much going on. So uh, we appreciate everybody listening to Schaefer Baseball Report again. Uh, we'll knock this down next Friday. Yep. Look forward to it, one tool. See ya. Peace out.